You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 14 of the Habs Culture podcast. The Toronto Maple Leafs lead 3-2 in this best of seven series. Game six is tonight. Habs hoping to force a game seven, which would be Monday night. Today we're Saturday. Um, usually we record on Fridays, but today's a Saturday, so the elimination game would be tonight at 7.30 at the Bell Center with fans for the first time in a long time. I don't know the exact time, but it's been a long time, so it's a good sign. We're moving forward. I'm excited to see what it's going to look like with people cheering our team on. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. Today, our episode is brought to you by World's Best Media. Now, World's Best Media is our good buddy Nick on Instagram, who takes amazing pictures, amazing promotional videos. Um, so yeah, go check him out on Instagram. It's World's Best Media without the O. Um, he took a great promotional picture for us on our recent giveaway with Insta Canadians. Truly, he's amazing. So go check him out for anything you guys need. Um, yeah, he's the best. Now... The Habs almost blew a 3-0 lead Thursday night. Yeah, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, they pulled out the W, and that's that's all that matters. Now, look, I don't want to dive. I always say I don't want to dive too much too deep into it, but I really don't because we have a lot of other things to look forward to and pay more attention to. They did blow a 3-0 lead. Or they almost blew one. But they blew their lead. Yeah. However, what amazed me the most and what I look at from a Habs, per, from a Habs fan perspective is that they scored four goals or three goals in regulation. And I'm going to say it right now. And it's fairly obvious. If the Habs score goals, they're going to win games. And you could say that about any team. If they shoot on Jack Campbell, they're going to win games. But not even that, Mark. I find that... Jack Campbell has proven in this series to make saves. And to not make saves, like last game. For sure, but... So mean more than Michael Phelps. But you don't know which night he's going to come to play. You don't know that. Yeah. So, with that being said, if the Habs are going to put goals in the back of the net, or pucks in the back of the net, which they have struggled with not only this postseason, but this season in general, they will probably win the game. Now, I want to bring up one stat, because... I don't think you'll be surprised, but I think you'll be amazed. Wow, okay. Since 2015, in any playoff game, when the Habs have scored three or more goals, they're 10-0. That's something. Look, all I'm going to say is that Price has came to play. And I don't think he's stopping anytime soon. But if the Habs forwards, not even forwards, sorry. Well, we need the defensemen to pitch in as we well. We need them. We they really haven't done need anything. them to pitch in. And if they do, and we're able to give Price some help, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll lose the game. I don't think we'll lose any games. Well, any. I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. We just don't know how they're going to come out tonight, right? They have to come out the way they did in Game Five. They lost four nothing a few nights ago. What is it? Last Tuesday, the day before or the morning before, Josh Anderson said, "Yeah, we're going to be a hungry team tonight." They lost 4 nothing. 
and Toronto took 3-1 of the series. It's... Look, again, I'm happy they won because we get to continue watching them. But can they just play like this every game? I don't get why there has to be... And why did they have to take their foot off the gas? You're up 3 nothing. You don't stop. No lead is safe against Toronto because their forwards are just so good. They're so talented. So they took care of their defensive woes. But now you got to use your defensive strengths to stop them. And they didn't. Thank God they won in overtime because this episode would have been three hours. It would have been three hours and it would have been a little bit depressing. It would have been. If you don't mind me pointing out something. I have to give the Habs a certain amount of credit for up-to-date. I am not speaking for future games, but for up-to-date keeping Matthews and Marner in check. Oh, no. I said up-to-date. <laughs> I know, I'm not, no. And, no, and I'm not jinxing anything. I don't know what they're going to do for the rest of the series. Yeah. I'm just saying, from the fo- for the first five games of this series that I've seen, they've done a good job. Now, that can be a different story tonight. That can be yeah. a different story potentially in Game 7. I'm just saying, from what I've seen, they've done a good job. With that being said, the Leafs are getting secondary scoring, which is not typical of them, especially in the regular season. Nylander is coming to play. Joe Thornton and Spezza seem to be or more, more Spezza than Thornton. Yeah, but, more Spezza, But yeah. they're actually finding some offense. Spezza, like, he skates well. He's still I think he's I think he's good. comparable, not like play style, but at the point in their career, to Perry. Yeah, but they both just, bring something to quicker. the lineup. He moves quicker, though. Right. Uh, and Thornton's comparable yeah. to Eric Stahl in the sense that they're both kind of slow and, slow and not effective. Yeah. But regardless, all I'm trying to say is that that's a, this is a problem for the Montreal Canadiens because if the Leafs are able to get secondary scoring while containing the big stars, what else can you do? The Habs just have to use all their scoring. Right. They're which, not getting primary or secondary. Well, they Except did. For last game. I mean, they did last game, which yeah. is why we won. Yeah. Mm. Um, I want to ask you something just really quickly yeah. off the top of my head. When you're watching these games, like, is there, like there's one player in the Leafs that when he has the puck, I'm nervous. And it's not Austin Matthews. I'm going to say Mitch Marner, I'm yeah. assuming. Is he, when he has the puck, are you more nervous than when Matthews has the puck? I'll give you the compare, like not comparison, but I'll give you my rundown. Okay. When Marner has the puck in the neutral zone, or when he's skating around the O zone, I'm yeah. nervous. When Matthews has the puck on his stick, ready for a release, I'm nervous. So I think they're both equally effective in their respective skill set or in certain situations. But I do agree with you that Marner is scary with the puck on his stick. Yeah, Marner is because so talented. He can, he's got a great shot, but yeah. he, can also, he also has the ability to feed, right? He's mm-hmm. definitely a top playmaker in this league. But like I said, to date, the Habs have done a good job of containing those two guys. Let's hope that continues. Now, with that being said, the Habs need to be careful. Even though they don't really have much to lose at this point in this series, being down 3-2, and if they want to win the series, they need to win out. Mm-hmm. My question to you now is, what, and I don't think you actually have an answer for me, but why do the Habs, or why does Ducharme not get Alexander Romanov in the lineup. I don't have an answer for you. And do you think he did something off ice? I don't know. I don't think so. It's just there's a guy on the ice, number 32, skating around, 
who was acquired for a seventh round pick and is getting more minutes, well, is getting all the minutes over our number one guy in, Roma, or in Romana, Romanov. That's what they call him, right? I, I say number one guy because he's the guy for the future. Mm-hmm. And the Montreal Canadiens burnt his first year, con- his entry level contract of the first year for a reason. Not for him to sit. They burnt that first year for him to sit because he couldn't play. And then in the bubble last year, Marc Bergevin said, if Romanov could play, he would. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't because of the rules. Yeah. And now we're in the playoffs. Why can't he play? Why are we waiting for next year for him to play? We did that last year. It doesn't make much sense to me. And I want to just point something out. To start this series, Kotkaniemi and Caulfield were both sitting in the stands. We know that. Now, my question to you, or not question, it's more of just to spark the conversation. Where would we be in this series if those two players did not get in the lineup at some point throughout this series? Because would be out. Kotkaniemi gave us a goal in Game 2, which unfortunately still lost 5-1, but it gave him confidence. Game 4, uh, game four he scored a goal, mm-hmm. which gave us our third goal. Great effort, by the way. Right? And in overtime, Caulfield... I mean, it was a 2 on 0 but he still made the right read and the right pass, which led to a goal. Now, I don't understand why Ducharme believes that, okay, we've made two adjustments that have worked out in younger guys. Why don't we bring in a third younger guy who is actually able to skate? He can bring something if, if they gave him a chance on second power play if they wanted to. Now, that's up for speculation, but that's an opinion. I really want to know what his mindset is of bringing in Gustafsson, Merrill, and even Kulak over him. After they won, though, there was no way Romanov comes in game six or seven. But I don't understand why, even even though they won, I still don't understand the decision to put in Gustafsson yeah. over Romanov. I say that, I'm saying there's no way because of the coach, right. not because of my no, decision. No, no, I understand. I would have put him in. I would have put him in game one. But he would... But what I don't get either is the fact that he played the whole season. He was a regular. He played, what, 54 games? Yeah, I think Basically everything. Out of 56. So, I don't understand. And, yeah, like I, I saw people on Twitter saying, you know, Mark Bergevin is calling the shots from the Lodge. I don't know. Maybe he obviously has a say. But I don't think there's one person in his organization that loves Romanov more than him. How isn't this guy in the lineup? Especially, I understand if we had a Tampa Bay blue line, but we don't. Gustafson reeks. He had a good game, though. He didn't play terrible. Well, he was also sheltered, but he played well. Who was he playing with? Uh, Merrill. Okay. But like Merrill's, and just to point out to the viewers, Merrill is out for tonight's game. Yeah. Uh, one to two weeks, actually. Yeah. I didn't and see Gustafson in like the third period, so they sheltered him pretty well. And then, just for some more line changes, just to go over that quickly, um, Jake Evans is a game-time decision. Arturi Lekkinen will not, will most probably not be in the lineup. And on the other side of things, Nick Foligno is a game-time decision, but if he were to slot in, he would center Galchenyuk and Nylander. What's more embarrassing? The Habs power play or Thomas Tatar? Probably the Habs power play. <laughs> Oh, for what? 14. Off the top of my head. I think we got one. I think we were 0 for 14 going into game four. So make it 0 for 16 or 0 for 15. Oh, yeah. Around there. 
regardless, it's crazy that, you know, it's so, I guess not crazy, but when you look at it, winning games and having a successful power play are a legitimate direct correlation. Mm -hmm. They are in, they are a legit direct correlation for one another. And the Habs still wonder, except for last game, they still wonder why they have a hard time putting the puck in the back of the net. But yet their power plays over 15. Well, it's not just putting them back of the net. They can't even set up anything for a solid 30 seconds. Right, but if you look at the most successful power plays in the league, you're looking at... Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, Chicago. I'm missing Edmonton. All sub... sub 35 percent mm-hmm. maybe a little less yeah that means that on for basically one for every th- one for every three power plays they're scoring a goal yeah we're zero percent on 15 power plays <laughs> zero that means that for every three power plays we're scoring zero goals <laughs> like when we get a power play i'm happy because i know the puck won't be in our end like that the least have possession of the puck i'm not happy because we have an extra man on the ace because they won't do anything with it but it's sad as a fan. That's and, why it is sad. And it's crazy because we just won a game and we're forcing game six at home with fans. And you know, there's a lot of excitement. But unfortunately, we're here to speak the honest truth. And but we're do, excited. No, we are excited. We we really are. And and for the most part, we're optimists in terms of like the Habs. Like, yeah. why do you think we're here to begin with? But regardless, it's still something to talk about. And when you're 0 for 15 on the power play... And I'm sitting here at home, and the Habs get a power play, and I get excited for half a second, and then I'm like, well, they can't score on it anyway. Yeah. It just sucks. But like, Sorry, we're excited, but also they haven't won two games in a row in a long time. Especially even in the regular season, which should be easier to win two games yeah, in a row. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, before we head on to the next subject... We would like to take the time to shout out our good friends at Signature Pro. They have put together weekly memorabilia charity auctions that include a variety of items with star bids at $10, $5, and even $1. Every Friday, auctions begin, which lasts till the following Wednesday at 8 p.m., and 15% of the proceeds are donated to a new charity every week. Since the beginning of 2021, they have given back $2,046 every week. Make sure to visit them at signaturepro.bidandraise.com to start bidding now. That's signaturepro.bidandraise.com. Now, we can go into a few lineup decisions if Evans would come in. I, yes, but I don't know who they would take out. Stall. I don't, but I don't think so. Who would it be? No, but I don't think they will take no, out no, no, Stahl. No, no, no. Don't think yourself, because I know we'd both take out Stahl. So if Evans came in... Think if you're Dominic Ducharme, if you thought like that man. It's hard to think like that man, because I know, I know it's irrational. It's not easy, but you have to look at who's been playing the best hockey. Who's been giving this team a chance to win? So I guess I wouldn't take out Armia, right? Oh, wait, you're taking out, you're taking out a winger. I, I think... I don't know. Evans can slot on the wing. He could. If he's... if. If Ducharme really has a hard head about Stahl, he can take out a winger. But I would, I would like him to take out Stahl. To take First out of all, Stahl. did Byron even play the past two games? Well, this guy, 
He scored that Bobby Orr goal and then disappeared. He played 14 minutes last game and 58 seconds on the penalty kill. Didn't even notice. He was playing with Kotkaniemi and Anderson. And Anderson you know yeah. who I haven't noticed in a little while? Anderson. I'm Ever not going to lie. Game one. Yeah. He has those like few rushes, but like it's always like four blue jerseys that yeah. compress on him. Okay, so I think we're all over the place here. But I just want to point something out. <laughs> I've said that three times. But I just want to make a remark because I think a lot of people are thinking it at home. What bothers me the most about Ducharme's system is that he is ingrained in the players' heads that the second they cross the red line, they have to dump the puck in. Now, it's one thing that if you're dumping the puck and you go to get it and you mm-hmm. chase, but a lot of the time their puck retrieval percentage is very low. So when you're dumping the puck in, you're essentially giving the puck back to the to the Leafs. Yeah. And the Leafs are good in transition. They are. They're good at the breakout, they're good in the neutral zone, and they're good in the O zone. So I just have a hard time understanding why Ducharme hasn't adapted to to his mistakes. When I say mistakes, I really do believe that the good teams in this league are able to cross the blue line and set up, not just dump the puck in and retrieve. Yeah. Because retrieval percentages, according to The Athletic and according to Dom, I don't know how to say his last name, are vi- for some teams are high, but f- but for the Habs this season, we're very low. So it's not something that has worked. I just want to hear your two cents on that because I, when I watch the game and I see, and I see Nick Suzuki, who has a little bit of space, but decides to dump it in instead and no one chases, it gets me very angry. It's dump and chase minus the chase. But then what is it? It's basically give it's the puck to the other yeah, team. It's that. So you go, coach, it's not working. It's fine. Dump and, and chase. And you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give them a little bit of credit. When Armia scored his first goal, the reason that the dump and chase worked was because Perry decided to make a play. He separated the man from the puck yeah, on flew. a forecheck. Sandin's out of the lineup, by the way. He had a rough night. He did. But all I'm saying is that Perry was able to separate the man from the puck on a forecheck, which led to a goal. But how many times out of 10 do we see that? Here's the thing. Maybe Here's the one. thing with Ducharme. He does something. It works. Okay, let's keep it for the next five games. Game one, they did that dump and chase, whatever. It was a weird game. It worked. They lost the next three. He didn't change anything. Now they win. It suddenly works again. It shouldn't... Just because you won twice doesn't mean it works. You lost three in between that. Just like the whole Armia thing. I see his potential. I see his potential. Out of five games, he has one good one. And he just had it. Don't think he's going to have another one tonight. And it's not like he's giving him 20 minutes a game. He's giving him 12, 10, 11, 12 minutes. he always minutes. says, I see the potential in him. I see the potential in him. It took him five games to, to actually make an impact. I'm not saying making an impact in a game is scoring two goals. Like He could have still, in previous games, you know, play the body, get, a, get an assist here and there. Maybe he did. But I'm just saying, I didn't notice him much in the first few games. But that first line, why do they keep going up against Matthews and Marner? Why? it's working. Dano? Yeah. His face-off sucks against Matthews. Okay, He's but bullied. look at the bigger picture. But you say that, but last game he was 65%. Yeah, last game. Right, but... Look at the 4 nothing loss and the 2-1 loss. I liked when Suzuki's line was up against Matthews. I liked that. Look, Matthews' line is so strong. I mean, okay, but look at the bigger picture, Mark. That line, when they have been matched up against him, 
have held him have held them to limited scoring chances, limited opportunities. Yeah, there's also been times where it was like a two minute shift, and they're just stuck, right? Stuck, and the Leafs couldn't capitalize. Almost had a heart attack. I don't know. I think. Let me put it. Let me give you my straightforward answer. If the Habs want to be successful for the rest of the series, now I'm not some hockey guru where I know everything, but I'm giving my two cents. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play the guys that are willing to come out every shift and give it their all. Now, every, roll the guys that are performing. Now, every coach can say that and make that comment, and, it's, and it sounds very, not cheesy, but very basic. But let's be real. Gallagher played 1445, 1443 last game. Now, he hasn't been scoring goals, but he's still an aggressor and he's an agitator and he's get and I saw him getting in the head of Marner last game. What I'm saying is is that you need to put out the guys that are going to make an impact every time that they step foot on the ice. And you can't like Stall for example, he played 10 minutes last game, perfect because he wasn't contributing necessarily. You know, he had a couple good shifts in the in the beginning of the game when Armia scored two goals. But other than that, he was a little inexistent. So with that being said, he needs to put out the players who are going to work their asses off and not give up two-minute shifts in their own zone. Because that's what costs the halves. When the Especially halves are the pinned. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially in the second. And... You know what? Now that we talk about it and we sit out loud about guys staying out too long, I think there's our answer about Romanov. Yeah, he, he did get caught a lot throughout Multiple the season. Multiple times yeah, during the a season. Lot. And I that could be our answer. It could very well be our answer that they, they're just afraid that he's going to get caught at the but wrong time. But I don't think he's been caught out there any more than some of the other guys down. No, the, yeah, I agree. There's been Merrill at one point at a three-minute shift. Yeah. Merrill, he's out tonight, right? Right, but Merrill, and I can't really speak for Gustafson, but I can assume that he can get caught out there for times. At Do you times. have the uh, the log, the minute logs from last game? Yeah. yeah. How much did Gustafson play? Gustafson played a total of ten minutes and sixteen seconds. Okay. But that's also Does Merrill it say went per down. Period? Sorry. The say per period. Um. No, I can't break down that. Okay, I can't that break down, down for okay. you. He played fifty seconds of power play time. But he played 15 shifts, if that tells you anything. But, and then Merrill played nine minutes, and then Sherratt, Edmondson, Petrie, and Weber. Oh, well, Edmondson 21, Sherratt 28, Petrie 24, and Weber 27. Third period, yeah. I'm just confused. Perry, sorry, Petrie had a little bit of a rough game. I thought he was drunk. <laughs> no, literally. He was in, alone in front of the net, and he stumbled on his, like, yeah. on his skates. He had a rough game, but I still think that he he's our best series. defenseman. He's having a rough series. Still our best defenseman, though. I think he's hurt. He's either hurt or to get him going, you have to take Weber out. Because when Weber's not there, he plays amazing. Look, and I just want to point out to the listeners for a second. We're a little bit all over the place right now because, you know, we're a little bit we're in a little bit of a transition, right? The Habs are playing game six. We don't really know where to go with conversation, and we're kind of just speculating and giving our opinions. So we don't really have any specific topics to talk about, so we're kind of just floating around. But... With that being said, to narrow the focus, game six, every game going forward in this series is important, right? It's literally do or die. Yeah. But 
if the Habs want to be successful, I already said that they need to bring out the guys who are willing to come and compete every shift. But something else that I've emphasized throughout the season, even in the regular season games, is that they need to play 60 minutes of hockey. Not 59, not 58, not 40, not 30. 60. <laughs> I almost said 50-something, but 60. And the most important is, is the, the second minutes. period. Yeah, the 20 minutes Because the that has seemed... If you go look at the comparison of that period throughout this series, they have outscored us, if I'm not mistaken, five or six to two with seven or something power plays and we've had none or one. I don't know. And maybe quadrupled or our shots. Is it is it bad that I, I didn't feel comfortable when they had a three nothing lead? I couldn't sit back. You know why I didn't couch. feel comfortable? Because I felt like there was we were giving a skilled team too much time to work with. Not even that. Just this team, I never feel comfortable. <laughs> Which is sad. It's sad. Yeah. By the way, before we forget, every game we put up um, Instagram stories and ask for predictions from our followers, out of all the games, we got one right. Who was going to score the first goal? It was game two. Um, Jason Dankner got it right. I feel like he gets a lot of them right. He does. He I goes like off the board Dankner, sometimes. I feel like Dankner gets a lot of shout-outs. It's <laughs> either him or his brother. But um, he was right. It was KK's first game. So it right. was it was a guess that I'm not surprised was there. But then the Leafs scored five unanswered in that game, which is unfortunate. You were I, here watching. Yeah, that wasn't a fun game to watch. It was fun in the first period when they finished. We could talk about that because that was the game where the Habs played the refs, not the Leafs. You know, and I want to emphasize this because people are going to say, no, Mark, you're biased. Well, no, but okay, go ahead. They're going to say, oh, Mark, you're biased. Um, You're a Habs fan and the refs just gave you penalties. The Canadians had six penalties in a row. They were penalties. However, the Leafs did the same thing on the other end. Whether it's a trip, whether it's a hold, whether it's too many men. So if you're going to call a scrum after the whistle... You better call it on both sides. You can't pick and choose. You either call it or you don't. But don't choose one team. Six penalties in a row in a playoff game is absurd. And yes, they are penalties. But everyone knows in the playoffs, a cross-check, a slash, those go unnoticed because of the playoffs. But now they start calling them only on one side? The Zebras were wearing blue. It was that simple. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out my tweet that I made right after that game. I saw you liked it, Mark. I said, <laughs> don't get me wrong. The Habs don't deserve to be winning this game right now. Talking about game two. Yeah. However, if the refs continue to call future games the way this one has been called, there's no point in even turning on my TV. And I'll emphasize why. Like you said, those six penalties that were called consecutively were deserved. Were absolutely deserved. They are penalties. Right. But... The one thing that put me over the edge was at the end of the second period when Zach Hyman boarded Kod Kaniemi. Clear boarding call after five penalties had been called in a row. Mm -hmm. This game was at 3-1 after the second, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. It was 3-1 after the second. And it blew my mind that... I'm not saying that the Habs would have necessarily won the game off that power play because clearly they've been struggling and can't score on the power play. 
but it's a complete shift in, omen- in momentum. If they start the third on the power play, who knows what happens? Maybe they make it a one-goal one goal game or it doesn't change anything. But regardless, six penalties being called in a row is absurd, especially well, when other calls should have been called for the Habs. Let's not forget that one of the penalties was Big Brain Ducharme's challenge. He challenged that easily one of the worst challenges I've ever witnessed in my life. That was one of the end. That was one of the six. So that one puts, gets put aside. But some of the other ones. Lekkonen got a penalty. And no one showed the replay. The camera crew couldn't find the penalty. How, how do you cut? What is that? I didn't even. I don't even remember that, to be honest with you. It was the Sandine goal. It was pretty much. It was the Sandine goal. The goal interference. Right, but that was his penalty? He was in the box while that happened, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Oh, if I remember correctly. Play. It was literally pretty much number 62, white. You can't do that. Get in the box. No one knew what it was. The camera crew didn't show it. Are you not allowed to protect your goalie in the playoffs? Can you not clear the crease? Because if you can't, Toronto should get a bunch of penalties. What is this? That game really bothered me because it, they didn't give the chance. Sorry. They gave the chance for the Leafs to get him back into the game because they were down one nothing. Right. And they didn't give the chance for the Habs to try and fight back and to build momentum because Josh Anderson played a few seconds in the second period. Why? Because they were on the PK the whole time. How are your guys in the third period supposed to come back energetic if they haven't played a full period? So that's your reasoning right there is exactly what bothered me about that game. Moving to game four. uh, Hold on. Sorry, I'm blanking a little bit. So they won game one, lost game two. Game three was 2-1. Game four. That game didn't bother me as much. The 4-0 loss? Yeah. It didn't. Not as much as game... As game... uh, No. My God. Sorry. Game game two bothered me. Game three didn't bother me as much. The 2-1 loss. Yes. I don't even remember that game. All I know is that at the end of the game, they put up a really... That's when Caulfield drew into the lineup for the first time. He yeah. hit the crossbar in the first period. Oh, yes. Okay. All, I know, all I'm saying is that as a house fan, and I don't know if I'm speaking for every, everyone, but I'm speaking for myself here, and maybe you as well. If the Habs come out and play hockey for 60 minutes <laughs> and they lose, I am not yeah. going to say a word. I won't say a word. I will say they lost in a good effort. Done. But when they come out and play 40 minutes, and apparently there's there's only first periods and third periods in Habs hockey. Well, not even the last five minutes. The third. Right. Then then I will then I will complain. I absolutely will complain. But like I said, if they come out and play hockey for 60 minutes, you won't hear a peep out of me if they lose. Because when the Habs prove to play solid hockey for X amount of minutes throughout the game you see what they're able to do then all of a sudden they're like oh you know i i'm not really in the mood Mm -hmm. habs fans i'm not really in the mood and then what happens every team that they've ever played against takes advantage it happens before we go to the predictions for tonight's game i just want to add on to what you were talking about with if they put effort and they lose okay which i completely agree with Mm mm-hmm was it, was it 2017? I think it was 2017. Wait, the what Habs, are we talking about? The Habs won the Atlantic Division. 
mm-hmm. and their first round matchup was none other than the New York Rangers, even they though lost. they won the division because the Rangers were a wild card team. I remember that. They put up 40 shots, I think, every game. And Henrik Lundqvist was just a wall. That game, The first game in Montreal, I think he shut them out, if I'm not mistaken. If you can try and pull that up. I'm looking for something else, but I could if you okay. want. But they I lost. do remember he shut them out. stood on his head. He shut them out, the game one. And for the rest of the series, he was just a wall. But at least they put up shots. And at least they, they gave him a run for his money. They made him earn those wins. Right. They're not doing that to the Leafs. Jack Campbell, the game they lost either... It was either the 2-1 loss or the 4 nothing loss. The first few shots Campbell got, he was shaky. But they didn't take advantage of it. They let him sit back, relax. Obviously, the past game, the one that just happened, game 5... That was a different story. Right. They got him swimming. He was all over the place. And you pointed out the New York series. What the heck? <laughs> the game, the, the series. The New York yeah. series. Yeah. I just want to point out the 2015 first round uh, um, between the Sens and the Habs when the Habs oh. won 4-2. Yeah. The Habs took the first, first three games and – sorry for that disturbance in the back. But the Habs took the first three games and then lost two in a row – and then took the took game six and won four two. Regardless, all I'm saying is that I remember that whoever was playing in nets for the Sens, which I believe it was Craig Anderson, stood on his head. Absolutely stood on his head. Now the Habs did pull out the series, however, he did stand on his head. But the Habs gave it their all. And when they lost those two games, I was not mad. I wasn't mad. Exactly. Because they deserved to win or they played a good game. But like I said, I'll walk away if they play a good game. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Even if, if they lose. Yeah, if they play a good game, well, at least they put an effort. Right. And not they didn't let Campbell just sit there and make 14 saves. Anyways. For sure. Let's get to the predictions. Tonight, 7.30, 2,500 fans, Bell Center. What do you see happening? Josh, Anderson's, jo- <laughs> Josh <laughs> Anderson scores the first goal of the game. Okay. I don't know if that's bold or not. I'm, I think it's pretty that's specific. Fine. So I'll keep it doesn't it have up. to be that bold. What's I'm going to go pre- with... Uh, Please don't make it like something by a defenseman. By a defenseman? Yeah. Like Gustafsson? No. I would never. I'm going to go with Tyler Toffoli, two goals. Okay, I like it. He, he has to wake like up. It. They're going to win the series. If they want to win the series, it has to be with their gu- their big guys. It's got to be you know with... I, I'm just thinking, if the Habs somehow win this series... Oh. I don't think we should talk about this. No, I want to talk about it. Because last because episode, sorry, last episode, we were up 1-0, or the Habs were up 1-0. Yeah. And then we, we jumped oh, what, it, what happens bit. if they win game two? What's going to yeah. happen? They lost no, three but, straight. No, but I'm just saying, like, look, I'm not saying they're going to win their series. I'm just saying what happens if. And I'm not saying what happens in terms of the Habs organization. I'm saying in terms of the Leafs yeah, organization. Yeah, but let's not, literally, we won one game. They, the Habs won one game in the past four. So... If the Leafs blow a three-one lead, well, sell the franchise. I don't know what to say because that'd be that'd be the most embarrassing thing since the Bruins game, since they blew that lead. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll leave it at that. One period at a time, one shift at a time. We thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.